Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Today, we continue our series of programs on your job and your career, and I'll begin today's program with some good news. An article in the October 6, 2017 USA Today reports more job openings and, as they call it, plumper pay raises are on the way. Employers advertised a record 6.2 million job openings in July, and businesses are chasing a shrinking pool of uncommitted workers, according to the article. Nothing like a job seeker's seller's market. And employers can't find qualified candidates. 31% of small businesses said that they had pensions or positions to fill in August 2017, a 16-year high. And the best news of all, job switchers get bigger raises. Full-time employees who switch jobs get yearly raises that are half a percentage point higher than their counterparts who stay put. And so if you're out of work or not even uh, 100% satisfied with where you are today, now is a great time to be seeking a job and a career change just right for you. And anyone who has experienced it, of course, knows that job search can be a period of extreme highs and lows, that great feeling right after you feel like you really aced a job interview and that a solid offer for your dream job is only a few days away, and that crushing disappointment just one or two weeks later when you learn that the company hired someone else. And compounding the negative impact on your self-confidence, it also is very hard to get back in the swing and to resume networking and to go after that next great opportunity. And another troubling aspect of not receiving an offer, you may not have the slightest clue as to why you were rejected. And my guest today, career management expert Mike Gelman, is here to help you answer the question, why didn't they offer me the job? And more importantly, he's here to offer suggestions on what you can do to ace your interviews and how best to recover from rejection and to locate and get hired for that position that's just right for you. And Mike Gelman is the founder of High Five Career Coaching. He coaches highly motivated professionals and leaders in various stages of their careers. He helps clients gain greater clarity, create sustainable change, and achieve higher levels of excellence. He has a 15-year track record with Fortune 500 companies and nonprofit organizations and has facilitated succession planning, high-potential leader development, employee engagement, and organizational change. And he's an ACC credentialed coach through the International Coach Federation, or ICF, the premier organization for professionally trained coaches. And he's author of the acclaimed 2014 book, Pipe Dreams, Seven Pipelines of Career Success. And hello, Mike Gelman. Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hi, Roy. Thank you for having me. 
Well, let's begin with the negative. You got the job interview and it seemed to go great, but you never heard back or you, or you received that standard uh, cold formal rejection letter. Can you run down for us a few of the mistakes that folks make during an interview that may have cost them the offer? Sure. You know, some of the, some of the common mistakes during the interview is, you know, not answering the questions directly. You know, many many times interviewees, you know, they might have the chops, they've got the experience. Yeah. But they they don't answer the question directly, and sometimes interviewers will follow up that you know. So if if I'm interviewing you and you don't quite hit the mark, I might follow up and press you for maybe an example, and that's something that's yeah. often lacking is a concrete example of how you demonstrated that skill or how you would demonstrate that. Uh, yes, for the so essential employer. To, to put some meat on the bones rather than just saying you can do something to, to give an example of how you've done it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's, there's there's very few things more frustrating to an interviewer to, you know, have to try to pull that out of you. And, you know, many interviewees come, you know, speak in big tones. So uh, so that would be one thing there is not, not being uh, as on the spot yeah. of answering the question and clear enough with examples. Yeah. Another thing is your your presence, and this isn't often talked about a whole lot. Yeah. Um, you might have different mannerisms and things of that nature, nervous habits yeah. and things of that nature, but that's important, too. That could be a distraction. So distractions like that. With yeah, presence, especially though, if you don't look the interviewer in the eye or you're looking at your watch or something like that. Yeah, or, or or you know, worse, maybe you're, you're you're looking at your phone. You pull out your phone to look at a text or something. <laughs> I've had that happen. <laughs> believe it, believe it or right not, three, you're out. <laughs> pause an interview to, to text someone back. Yeah, yeah, so that's a no-no. But your presence is more about kind of the energy you give off during the yeah. interview. And yeah. when when you've been out of work for a while, in many cases. Um, or if you are, for example, middle aged and you have a lot of self doubts yeah. about, you know, who's going to hire me at my age? Yeah. I, I hear that a lot. Yeah, that that can show up in the interview, and you can uh, subconsciously sabotage your, yourself and be either more tentative in, yeah. in in your responses, and you're not coming across with the level of confidence that in a, a prospective employer wants to, to hear and to feel. You know, they, yeah. they want to see that. A second aspect is you might come across as negative. You know, are you yeah. kind of having jibs this negative energy or bitterness or anger? Yeah. And some of us are aware of that, and some of us, that's a blind spot. We're not even aware yeah. of how we're coming across in that way. And I've had... Uh, numerous interviews over, over the years and, and just colleagues of mine who are, you know, recruiters. That's a, that's a common theme is that, you know, many candidates will show up as, you know, kind of that, that negative energy or bitter or talk badly about their previous boss or employer. And yeah, nobody wants to hear, you know, how screwed up the company was you worked for and how it's all their fault. <laughs> you know. Right. You know, every company's got their own pitfalls, right? You know, yeah. every company has 
something that's you know not right. Some some more than others, <laughs> but we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on what can you do for this prospective employer. You know, how will you benefit them? That's really what they want to hear. Well, in your promotion, you promised to share four things listeners of all ages, including those of us at middle age, can do to ace an interview and help get the job offer. Can you share those four things? That, uh... Sure. Well, we've talked about a couple already, but you know, one of them is your your, your competence, your your qualifications, yeah. and many times we think that we we've, we've got what it takes to do the job, but. Um, you know, sometimes the, it's not even our own fault. Sometimes the job descriptions aren't yeah. written the best. They're not the most yeah. accurate or, or up-to-date. So while yeah. we may think we're qualified, um, that, that's, that's not always the case. So one of the key things that I was mentioning before is you want to have examples to, to demonstrate how you've um, done different things, how you've resolved a conflict yeah. or how you've yeah. met a deadline or things like that. The other thing, though, in terms of the competence and qualifications is not just qualified for today, but qualified for tomorrow. Oh, that's such a good future because you're, really, you're generally, unless you're maybe two years from retirement, you're not just interviewing for the present job. You're interviewing for, for career progression and what you can bring the employer in the future. Exactly. So employers are thinking, you know, well, you know, a year from now, this job's going to require, you know, these new skills or these new capabilities. Will this person be able to grow into that or will they be able to adapt? Yeah. Um, or are they going to be willing to do that, right? Is there someone yeah. that might be set in their ways? Able and, and willing. Yeah, so able and willing. So that's, so that's, that would be, you know, one key. Um, I talked about, the, when I was talking about presence, um, the, the the cousin to that is your attitude, your attitude, and so that that, that would be a second um, a second key thing is your attitude, making sure that your mindset is in the right place and that you are um, thinking positive and almost in many cases I encourage my clients to visualize themselves nailing the interview and getting the job. You know, high-performance athletes do this all the time. So, you know, Olympic athletes, they envision themselves breaking the tape at the finish line, you know, if it's a marathoner, or they envision themselves, you know, clearing that high bar, you know, the high jumpers. You envision yourself in that position and um, what it would be like and what you would uh, contribute. uh, Exactly. So wouldn't hurt. So part of it, you know, so that's the attitude, and again, not dwelling on the negative stuff, but really the the attitude and what goes hand in hand with the uh, attitude, um, uh, it could be a third thing, would be your enthusiasm. Yeah. How much, how much excitement and enthusiasm do you convey? Because, you know, one of the first questions that employers ask is what? You know, well, why do you want this job, or yeah. why do you want to work here, right? And, yeah. Almost every interview, almost every interview includes that question. Yeah. And so, to be really clear on that, on the why, is important because then your yeah, enthusiasm is going to show up. Opportunity for you to really sell yourself too, if you can demonstrate you know enough about the company that uh, you know you've done research and uh, that you really have skills you can add to that uh, 
to the company, it, it just makes a huge difference if uh, if you have that confidence and demonstrate it. Exactly. So the enthusiasm is important, and as you're mentioning, preparation uh, helps helps to funnel that. And, and many people come unprepared. And when you're asked for, do you have any questions? Yeah. And the candidate says, no, not really. I don't have anything. Yeah, that's, it, that's really bullying an opportunity, isn't it? it? It is. It doesn't show well. Or if you're asking questions that are very easily uh, researchable on the company's yeah. website, that doesn't yeah. show well either. And, you're, it's a, <laughs> and it's a missed opportunity, right? It's a the missed opportunity. The interviewer should say, go to our website and you'll see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what better is it to say, hey, you know, I noticed that in your um, your latest press release about your third quarter earnings that, you know, you're you're expecting, it, if it's Apple, let's say, you know, your, your iPhone 10 or iPhone X, yeah. um, you know, that, you know, uh, you're, you're expecting sales to increase by X amount, and you might ask some question, yeah, that would be you know, related related to that kind of a deeper level, you know, in yeah. terms of that, and that, oh, yeah, that shows a little bit of preparation. And it shows a little more critical thinking as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, let's say you're in the middle of a crucial job interview, an interview with the person you know is the final hiring authority, probably your intended future boss, and unfortunately up to now you fear the interview has not gone well. You don't feel like you've made emotional connection with the interviewer. She or he hasn't reacted positively to your responses, and you don't believe you're selling yourself as the right person for the job. At this point, what, if anything, can you do to recover and save the day? Is there anything you can do when you're halfway into the interview to rescue it? Yeah, that's a tough one. And I've, I've been there where you feel like you're, 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 you're taking the interview or the interviewer is just somewhere else, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've been there a few times myself. There's a, there's, a, there's a few things you can do. One is pause and take a deep breath. Yeah. Some Sometimes... As interviewees, we might be going on and on and on. Yeah. And, you know, we're not giving a chance for the interviewer to, you know, do that. If we're picking up signs where they're disinterested or distracted yeah. or we we answered something in a way that, like, oops, you know, that wasn't the best way, <laughs> it's okay to come back to a previous yeah. question. It's okay to come back and say, you know, you know, answer the, the current one and say, you know, I, I had an additional thought about the previous question yeah. or earlier question you had mentioned. Would it, you know, it would be okay for me to expand on it or share or clarify. Yeah, that's great. So that's that's an opportunity to to self correct, and that, that's perfectly okay to do that. Yeah. Another right. another thing you can do as well is you can you can ask them. Um, questions about what's really important for them for for this candidate, you know, for, the, for this candidate to be successful. You can start yeah. to probe a little bit yeah. about what what truly is of concern to them, and then you can respond to that. Oh because yeah, that's that's an excellent idea. Some sometimes interviewers. Quite honestly, stink. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. They, have, they haven't been trained on how to interview, no. and the questions they ask don't elicit the best of you. And so sometimes you need to do things to help. 
steer the interview in a more productive direction. Boy, that, and, that's so true. And, and so that's part of the preparation as well. And so, again, sometimes it's asking them for permission to expand or ask them yeah. a question. Uh, sometimes it is uh, picking up on that to say that when you respond to something, say, you know, just that answer your question. Yeah. If you notice that they're distracted or I'm not quite sure if that was on point to what yeah. you were intending, is there anything yeah. else you were hoping I would share about that? And that gives an yeah. opening for them to say, rather than just move on to the next question, that gives them an opening to say, actually, yeah, I would like to know a little bit more yeah. about X or Y. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, here's a challenge often faced by those at middle age. How best should you respond if an interviewer comments that you, quote, appear overqualified for our position, which often mm. is a blatant form of hidden age discrimination? How do you respond to that? I just It's funny you mentioned it. I just had a conversation yesterday with a colleague about this very this exact issue. <laughs> exact issue. And he... A seasoned, uh, a seasoned, he's a consultant now, but in his previous life, you know, he was at the executive level, VP yeah. level, yeah. and currently he's looking to go back as, you know, into a company. He does, you know, yeah. he's considering doing that rather than consulting. Yeah. So the key thing is to have a good story. And they'll know that if you're overqualified, because there's many reasons why we apply for a job that is kind of a lower responsibility than what we currently have. Yeah. Some sometimes uh, it's just out of desperation. We need a job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You but don't want to say that, though. <laughs> you don't want to say that. No. <laughs> but oftentimes it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. you know, many times we want to doubt. Just like, you know, I've done that, and I know the headaches with that, and I don't want yeah. to do that. Or it's too high up there, and I'd rather be more hands-on. Yeah. And I have, a, I have a client right now as well who was an executive. He went out on his own, and he's currently came back as a manager. Oh. And I was asked by a colleague to come back as a manager at this company. So he's two levels below hmm. a level he used to be. And the reason was, he's like, you know, I just want to be more hands-on and grow a team. And yeah. the benefit for the company, you have to be able to be convincing to the company that this is really what you want. You're not looking to move yeah. up, if that's the case. You know, if that's yeah, the case. or a counter, you could say, you know, I, I, I think so highly of your company that uh, I, I'm more than happy to accept this position with the uh, hope that I can contribute more in the future to, you know, you can express the fact that, uh, you know, you think it would be such a great fit that you are willing to accept this uh, so-called overqualified position right now. Yeah, so part of it's that story. And then and then the, the second half, Roy, is to illustrate the benefit for them. Yeah. They're getting extra value uh, <laughs> at, at a lower cost, and they're not yeah. going to have to pay for it. Because many, their concern is, how happy are you going to be a year from yeah. now? You've obviously, you could do my job, right? The first yeah. interviewer. Yeah, you could do my my job. And the concern for them, the interviewer is like, well, what's that going to mean for them, right? <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple of situations right? like that. I felt so, like so, I thought I was after his job. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so, part of, so part of it's creating 
part of it's creating safety and, and being able to clearly, you know, connect the dots and share why it is you want that job. It's not going to work with everyone. I mean, let's be, no. let's be clear, right? It's, yeah. you know, it may not, not be a place you want to work anyway if, if they really do mean that. that. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's data, isn't it? That's yeah. information. Like, you know, maybe it's, that's not the right culture. And so that can be part of your research is finding companies and targeting organizations where, you know, that won't be viewed so much as a threat, but viewed as more great, you know, because many companies actually are targeting older workers. Yeah. Many, many companies are, they welcome that and they're recruiting them because they know they're seasoned and they don't have to spend as much time on the training. They're more reliable. Um, you know, they're not yeah, necessarily that, that's what you hop around. yourself has it. Uh, you've had the training and, uh, you certainly are qualified for the position, and they're not going to have to spend a lot of money or time training you for it. But, uh, exactly. Well, let's, talk to the, let's turn to the positive and talk about the message from your excellent book, Pipe Dreams, Seven Pipelines of Career Success. First of all, how did you come up with that title of your book, Pipe Dreams? Well, I used to work it for a, a natural, before I went out on my own, um, with my own coaching consulting firm, I, I worked for a natural gas company oh, I see. And with, with lots of pipes. So that was part of, <laughs> that, that was part of the, 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 the inspiration. So it's a double entendre, it's a double entendre yeah. in, in, that, in that sense because many times we sell ourselves short. You know, we have these fantasies about what we would love to do yeah. and, and we don't pursue it no, because we, we think really, we yeah. We don't really know exactly what that entails. We just think it sounds nice, or you know, it's nice to dream. <laughs> yeah, we think it's we think it's unattainable. We think yeah. it's unattainable. And so, what I wanted to do was write a book to help individuals who are struggling to take charge of their career and take ownership of their career. So I came up with a pipeline model, kind of using that as a, a metaphor, and it's kind of seven pipelines, if you will, and, yeah. and for example, the, the main one, the hub, is like purpose and passion, you know, that's at oh, the core, yeah. you yeah. know, and they kind of work together, and and that, the preparation and personality, so I have all these other pipes that kind of fit into the model, so that, that oh, was yeah. the, the genesis of the book, is I came up with a model in my mind, and, and then I wrote the book, kind of speaking to those different aspects uh, and that you're doing, I make an analogy to a natural gas pipeline system. Yeah. If you have a leaky pipe, what kind of leaks do you have in your career? <laughs> yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, well, chapter two of your book describes ten common myths that can mislead us as we navigate our careers. We don't have time to go into great detail, but can you spell out a couple of the most important myths and how best we can overcome them? Yeah, you know, one of the biggest, I work with a lot of technical professionals, and, yeah. and, and you know, the, the, first, the first two myths come up a lot uh, with them. You know, if I keep my head down, work hard, and, and, and do a good job, you know, uh, the right person will take notice, tap me on the shoulder for that <laughs> great opportunity. Um, and the other one is my workforce will speak for itself or should speak for itself. Yeah, that's, that's putting your uh, future in the hands of somebody else rather than taking charge of your own career development, in effect. Exactly. <laughs> keep working exactly. At it. And it's, it's definitely a, a piece of 
the puzzle. You know, you want to do good work. That that's important. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the pipes uh, that yeah. I have in my model. So, you know, your performance yeah. is, is kind of your your e-ticket. You know, it's your entry point. Uh, but it's not the only thing. You know, relationships are. But you have to be visible. And I, I talk to many clients. It's like, well, you know, your your boss is busy, and they don't always. I mean, when I, when I have a workshop, Roy, I'll ask yeah. people. I'll, ask, I'll say, you know what? Raise your hand. How many of you believe? How many of you feel that your boss knows what you actually do on the job? Just <laughs> <laughs> how many Most people raise, people their, raise hands? their hands or not? Just <laughs> how many raise their hands out of twenty-five people? I don't you know? know. Maybe three. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe four. <laughs> you know. The next question is, why the hell don't you <laughs> let them know? Yeah, and there's a, that's a whole book in and of itself, right? Yeah. There's many reasons, but, but in the most positive sense, you know, if they've got 10 people reporting to them or they've got 50 people in the organization, they're yeah. stretched thin, you know, yeah. and so they don't, they don't always know, and they're not always an expert in what your job is either. Yeah, you know, it's granted, amazing how many people think that uh... – all the attention is paid to them and their career development and the, the, yeah. the crucial element of their boss's thinking, whereas, in fact, you know, you're just one of the cogs that uh, you yeah. need to somehow show that you're outstanding and that you're contributing more than yeah. your fair share and you're optimistic and uh, know what you want out of the job and uh, are seeking to get there. And I think you, that's you, Yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's like they don't necessarily even know what you want. So sometimes, yeah. I mean, technically it would be great if they initiate those career conversations, but if they don't, then it's up to you ultimately yeah. to initiate the career conversation with them and let them know what it is that you want. And yeah. even even beyond that, because to get be more visible in other parts of the organization and network internally, network yeah. internally, yeah. Oh, that's, no, that reminds me of talking to your boss one time. I was at a... A bar with my boss following a convention. You know, we just went down to the uh, hotel and they had entertainment. A band was playing loudly, and I said, "When is this band going to take a break?" And my boss said, "Well, you have to make your own breaks." <laughs> <laughs> of course, I wasn't even talking about my career, but that uh, I should Amen. have taken advantage of that and opened up uh, with what I wanted. But I was completely uh, shocked by what he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, where's the best place we should go to preview and purchase your book, Pipe Dreams? So uh, you can. It's available on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon.com. Yeah. That is. That's the easiest and quickest way to to get a copy of of the book. They can also go to my website if they want to get a signed copy of my book. They oh. can order it directly from me. And uh, they can go to MikeGelman.com. G-E-L-L-M-A-N is how you spell your last name, right? Yes, exactly. And uh, you also offer individual and group career coaching, resume review, and interview preparation, public training, and consulting services. So, you know, if anyone's interested in any of those things, they can uh, definitely go to that website and, and find out about them. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, to conclude, ever since the Great Recession of 2008-2009, it seems like a lot of us have been hunkered down, clinging on to jobs we presently have, accepting at best modest raises, if any at all, happy to have a job even if it's far short of where we'd like to be. But as I pointed out at the beginning of today's program, the time for extreme caution is over. It's time to spread your wings and transition to that job and career tailored to you, be it within your present employer or somewhere else, your unique blend of talents, capabilities, and aspirations. And as we so often emphasize on this program, it is possible to have a good time while serving others and earning a living. And as my guest Mike Gelman so effectively emphasizes in his book, Pipe Dreams, it makes absolutely no sense to depend solely upon someone else to grant you a successful career outcome. You need first to clarify your purpose and discover your passion. Next, you need to realistically examine your career performance and how you can improve, then brand yourself and demonstrate your potential. Precisely why would anyone uh, want to hire or promote you? And no one is better qualified to manage your career than you. So why depend solely upon a present or potential employer? And if you're presently out of work, stuck in your career, or can't seem to figure out how to chart a path to success and fulfillment, I highly recommend you visit Mike's website, MikeGelman.com, and preview his book, Pipe Dreams, because fulfillment in your career is too important to rely on anyone else. And thanks a million, Mike Gelman, for the interview, and best of success with your book and your career management services. Oh, thank you, Roy. It was a pleasure being on your program. While we're on the subject of job search, you may recall on our October 2nd program, I gave you commandments one through five of my ten commandments for a successful midlife career transition. First, targeting and defining the position just right for you, and next, creating that position or marketing yourself to an employer who needs someone just like you. And today, I'm going to run through commandments six through ten. Here's commandment number six. I will disassociate myself from negative thoughts and negative people. That's disassociate myself. Even after you start your career transition on a positive note, you must remain constantly on guard to prevent negative thoughts from creeping back in. And as a corollary, you must not permit another individual, especially a loved one, from replanting stress-inducing thoughts. Thoughts like, I can't do this, or no one will hire me at my age, or I'll never find a well-paying job, will lose everything. During job search, I strongly encourage you to limit interactions with routinely negative individuals. Now, I'm not suggesting you summarily divorce your spouse or disown your closest companion simply because they aren't continual rays of sunshine, uh, but... Uh, Best case, you'll be able to convert loved ones and cherished friends into fellow disciples of positive thinking. Worst case, you can resolutely refuse to endorse another's negative comments or to respond in kind. And unfortunately, in today's world, negative thinkers abound all around us. Therefore, you must always remember that no one can make you feel angry, disillusioned, or pessimistic. Uh, ultimately, you and you alone will determine whether to picture today's picture as half empty or half full. 
And as you condition your mind to envision a brighter tomorrow, you will begin to transfer those positive emotions to folks around you because, as we all know, positive emotions are catching. If you condition yourself to routinely demonstrate a desire to help others, a positive can-do attitude, if so, you soon will find yourself in increasing demand from potential business partners, employers, other people who can help you out in your career. You can expect to form strong emotional bonds with successful business folks of diverse ages, backgrounds, and personality types, giving you a range of options for your next job. And commandment number seven, I will treat career transition as a major life project. I trust you'll approach job search with the same positive sense of urgency you once gave to prior destiny-changing events like getting married or having your first child. I suggest you make yourself three solemn promises. One, for me, finding the ideal position is far from a passing fancy. Two, after consulting with spouse and kids, I will prepare a realistic financial contingency plan so that immediate monetary pressures will not distract me from exploring and finding the ideal option, a position that's perfect for me. And three, I absolutely refuse to abandon essential career objectives in the face of un unanticipated obstacles or disappointments. And believe me, I've gone through it a few times. Uh, disappointment is just about guaranteed at some point, but that doesn't mean you're finished. And whether you're currently out of work or merely considering a change, no project on the horizon offers greater promise to favorably transform your life. It is possible for you to have a good time while you earn a living. Just think about it, actually looking forward to Monday morning. Wouldn't that be great? Let's go to commandment, uh, commandment number eight. I will transform my body along with my mind. Let's face it, although weight discrimination is technically illegal, all things equal, the thinner, more fit candidate is more likely to get hired. And firming up the body will help you to feel better about yourself. Also, quite frankly, it may prove extremely difficult, if not impossible, uh, to approach a bright future with renewed vitality if your mind and spirit continue to reside in that 50-pound overweight body. And I've been there and done that, so I know what it feels like. If you are presently significantly overweight and out of shape, I highly recommend you launch a physician-approved diet and exercise regimen while you search for that next position, like magic, as your body begins to firm, your entire outlook on life and your potential will firm up as well. Uh, through the process of losing weight and getting in shape, you will gain the confidence you need to first get hired, then excel in the position of your dreams. You also will gain the vitality you need to stay sharp throughout the day on your new job. And once on the job, please resolutely and absolutely refuse to uh, permit healthy diet and exercise to take a back seat to the daily rush of events. So easy to do at middle age, isn't it? Routine exercise need not be strenuous for those of us over 40. A brisk walk around the block or maybe even inside the mall, the infamous mall walkers aren't just people over 70. You can do that, too. They may do the trick. And going on to commandment number nine, I will begin to think and behave like a successful incumbent. 
you need not delay until you're hired or create your next position before you begin thinking and acting like a winner. You certainly do not need anyone else's assurance that you have changed, although in time that those assurances undoubtedly will follow as people will be impressed by how you've changed. The only true affirmation needed comes from within. And to speed your emotional transition and to convert your dream to reality, promise each day to visualize the precise image and the positive thought processes of the person you seek to become. Next, strive consciously at every opportunity to act out the part. And guess what? Before long, your subconscious mind will begin blurring your play acting with reality, and you really will begin thinking and behaving like an incumbent. It's pretty easy to fool fool a subconscious mind if you work at it. And as commandment number nine, I'm merely asking that you reclaim one small miracle from your childhood, the ability to imagine, act out, and believe in your dreams. And no, I'm not suggesting you then sit back idly, awaiting a magical transformation. Rather, I urge you to temper your imagination with frequent reality checks, then launch a rock-solid action plan to convert, convert your dreams into reality. Finally, commandment number 10, through networking, I shall continually expand my circles of cooperation. You know, you won't successfully launch a new business or get hired for that ideal position without help. Lots of it. Our tenth and final commandment encourages you to advance your career through a fluid series of ever-expanding networks of both transitory and permanent circles of cooperation because effective job search or career transition is a cooperative venture. If you're seeking a new job, your circle might include former bosses or contemporaries that you used to work with. And here's an idea. If you were recently downsized by your company, you might want to contact former colleagues who were downsized right along with you. That would be a great uh, group of uh, cooperative job seekers. A second possibility might uh, encompass fellow uh, job seekers in your church, uh, volunteers, or folks you made contact with at prior professional or industry meetings. And if your city has a 40-plus job search club, I highly recommend you contact them, job seekers helping out fellow job seekers. It's a great idea. And they offer all kinds of services from uh, professional-sounding phone answering practice interviews and positive critique of your resume, and I don't mean just to find fault, to truly help. And best of all, you'll have the warm feeling of a mutual sharing of ideas, each one contributing to the team with the ultimate objective of new jobs for all. And you must never forget that effective circles of cooperation require give and take, so you must be prepared to lend your advice and talents to fellow job seekers to hold up your end of the bargain. And you know it's working once you begin to experience triumph when someone else finds a job. And circles of cooperation may be formal or informal, constant or fluid, permanent or transitory. Effective alliances come together for short-term tasks like intelligence sharing, resume critique, or interview practice, and permanent formal circles may be formed to accomplish critical long-term projects like launching a new business or forming a joint venture partnership. 
but for you and your venture partners, you'll need to ensure the proper mix of unique capabilities and technical expertise to get the job done. Whatever your ultimate career goals, my advice to you is the same. Seek out help and cooperation from those around you for a mutual advantage at every opportunity. And most of us are indeed honored to be asked, and oftentimes the only payback you will need is a heartfelt thank you. In concluding our discussion of mid-career job search, I offer one final challenge. Cast off lingering doubts, fears, or inhibition. This very day, you are initiating a mid-course correction that will lead ultimately to total peace of mind, the ultimate objective, a new, improved version of you, brimming with realistic self-confidence and uniformly positive expectations. And never forget the new, improved version of you is no great stranger. It will encompass all the proven strengths demonstrated in your prior gigs, bolstered by freshly uncovered talents and your newly demonstrated competence moving forward, and those are a winning combination. Now, here's the good news. The moment you become convinced in your own mind of the inevitability of success in locating or getting hired for that ideal next position, nothing will hold you back. And believe me, this very day, the potential for lifelong career excellence and fulfillment lies within you, indeed within each one of us. It reigns up to you, though, to coax it out. Please remember comprehensive midlife career advice, plus a whole lot more, is contained in my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. Not just your career, my book will help guide you A to Z in overcoming the varied challenges of middle age, of renewing body, mind, and spirit, so indeed, middle age is your best age. And you can preview and purchase my book on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. And that's our program for today. Tune in next week for advice on how to solve any problem in your life. An incredibly interesting topic. And goodbye from now from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 